everyone. Welcome to King's Talk presented by Captain Crown. It's Tony. With me as always, we have John. The Kings just came off a 5-2 road trip. In that road trip to end it, they had a chance to go 6-1. and one. They lost to Cleveland. It was a pretty pathetic loss, if you ask me. Um, but it's like, okay. End of the day, they went 5-2. and two. Then they come home, and they lose to Detroit, who had six wins at the time. It felt a little worse, trying to keep your head up. And then at the trade deadline today, or yesterday, whenever you're listening to this, they make one very small move in trading for Robin Lopez, who got waived immediately, basically just getting some cash from the Bucks in return. I don't know, John. It just feels weird. I was like really going into this podcast. I thought we were going to have a lot of, you know, positives to talk about, a lot of good things. But I mean, even with that Cleveland loss, it was, it was kind of fine. But then followed by the Detroit loss at home and then the just very minimal trade deadline. Second one in a row, really. And that's not saying anything against Kessler Edwards, but I feel like Monty could have done a little more and maybe he will do more. Uh, in the buyout market, but John, how you doing? It's been a week. <laughs> it has been a while, but I, maybe the fact that they didn't make a move when you consider it with maybe your disappointment with the last two losses, like maybe that kind of heightens some kind of desire that uh, the Kings had made some kind of improvement. But I mean, this was, this seemed like it was in the works the whole way through. I feel like for the last month plus, we were just like, I would be surprised if there was any kind of significant move at this point. I mean, maybe we were talking about a smaller move happening or something like that. Nothing really happened. I mean, I don't don't even really count the salary dump of Lopez as a move. So this was, I guess, always a possibility that uh, we kind of considered. And and, and part of the reason for that was that it seems like the Kings front office's whole MO is to just you know, if you're going to make a move, it's got to be the right move. You don't take a gamble. You don't take a chance. You wait until you pitch. And that is what they chose to do. I think that that might be the right thing to do because really all we were looking at in terms of like a considerable pickup was like Kyle Kuzma. And while that could work out really, really well, there's a lot of questions. And we said that the Kings are going to have to do their due diligence on Kuzma. Clearly they did. And for whatever they would have had to given up for, they didn't see that as is worth it, or at least not right now. But, you know, we've seen McNair do this before. You mentioned that this is kind of the second trade deadline where he kind of stood pat. He got Kessler Edwards last year, which was a great pickup, but that wasn't really even a trade either. They, we, as we always joke about, they uh, gave up David Michonneau for um, the, Kessler Edwards, who's a nice... The legend, the French legend. You know, you talk about Victor Wimbanyama, you, you can't talk about Victor Wimbanyama without David Mitch, you know, but anyways, it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, that they ended up being kind of like the best move because like, what, what would they have done? They probably could have put themselves at risk and shooting themselves in the foot by making the wrong move. So by doing this again, it's okay, but you can't do this every time. You know, you can't take every pitch. Some of those are going to get called strikes. You, you got, you got to put up a fight at some point. And we've talked about like a championship window kind of becoming more defined, especially next season where you're going to be in it. And that's kind of that moment where that clock starts ticking. So by not making a move now, like that's fine insofar as you do make a move this offseason. It really sets up and tees the ball up right there. Because if you don't make a move this offseason and you kind of go into next year with more or less the same roster, where's the progression? Where's the hope you're instilling in the fans? What's the strategy? What's the plan? You know? Mm-hmm. So... It's almost like if you're in that position again, it kind of takes you back to just the pre-Sabonis trade when the Kings had kind of three young point guards. There was some promise there, but you're kind of in this haphazard place where you didn't really know what the end goal was. You didn't know if they were on a path. And it's like, okay, they made the playoffs. They did all this stuff. They have these two all-stars, I mean, and also non-all-stars. And like everything's fine, but you can still kind of be in that haphazard, aimless place when you are just a playoff team. It's called just being a playoff team that loses in the first round all the time. And so the Kings could put themselves in, in danger of doing that if they don't make a move. So all this does is really just, again, set up for what's going to be happening this offseason. Yeah, and we've talked about it so much. But, I mean, it just felt like there could have been a smaller move, right? Like, like you wrote a good article on DeLon Wright. The Kings, you know, had some interest in him. I think even just bringing over, like, a couple, maybe even, like, a one or two small pieces like that, 
because the Kings at this moment seem like a first round exit kind of team. They're, I mean, losing to the Pistons just really <laughs> killed a lot of hope for me. It's almost just like that loss we had against Portland. Uh, you know, just kind of deja vu with that. It's just like, oh my goodness. You, we thought we got past that. And then they kind of just like, no, we still are a terrible perimeter defending team. People are just going to shoot the lights out against us. We don't have, I mean, at the end of the day, like enough heart to even beat the Pistons at home. It's just embarrassing, really. I mean, I would almost kind of just to jump ahead. I mean, we can stick on the trade deadline here, but it's just like, it is kind of one of those things where, I mean, you talk about a smaller or moderate move, like a DeLon Wright or something like that. Like, okay, look at the issue here. Cause the five and two trip, it was great. What made the five and two trip great was they won a lot of games where they would have gotten punched back and given up a lead and lost. And they didn't really do that. They held on to leads. They, they ended up winning five games on a seven game road trip, a grueling road trip, extremely long, something that is extremely hard to do. One of the hardest things to do in the sport of basketball. And, you know, that was all fine and dandy. But you come home into Detroit and you see what the issue is on full display is that they never got their foot on Detroit's neck. Detroit had too much leeway to get hot from the beginning. And, you know, it just exacerbated the issues that are not excuses that you just come back from a road trip, first game back, all that, yada, yada. The point was, is as De'Aaron Fox said before Wednesday's game, the Kings have an issue with keeping their foot and sometimes, I guess, getting their foot on opponents next as was the case against Detroit and it's like they did a little bit of better job closing out games but they didn't do much better in that regard on the road trip I mean see the Chicago game they almost blew a lead against them Mm -hmm. you know like they did not keep their foot on their neck so that seems to be like the underlying issue it's like yeah there was an improvement on the five and two trip but with the Detroit game and even the five and two trip reminds you is that they don't have that kind of instinct they don't have that ability they don't have that they're they're not that killer team quite yet. And it's like, would DeLon Wright or would anybody of that level change that? I mean, of course, I do think DeLon Wright, and you make a good point noting the perimeter defense, I think that could help. But is that going to change the way this team handles itself, the character of it? Maybe not. You're putting a guy, you're, you're thrusting him into a new team, into a new culture. And I mean, how much is that going to change those kinds of issues that seem to be almost kind of maturity? And that's not to say they can't improve that through through roster improvements, but it's the bigger ones. It's kind of the more seismic ones. And just making a move to make a move, I mean, I don't know if that's that's the greatest argument. And again, it's like, should we be surprised that they didn't just make a move to make a move? Yeah, I mean, I get your point. I just feel like maybe you grab someone. I get, like maybe it wouldn't maybe like I get it Delon Wright especially that name it's not very appealing and I'm not saying Delon Wright would have changed the culture or even make this team not a first round exit but maybe a couple of them you get right you get even like Royce O'Neal it's just I feel like that one really sticks out the most three second rounders for Royce O'Neal seems like something the Kings could have done they could have made a trade for that he goes to Phoenix a team that's hanging around where the Kings are in the Western Conference. I just feel like a couple of those smaller moves to be competitive, to really start building that winning culture, it just feels so stagnant this year compared to last year. And I I don't know, maybe it's just me overreacting now because I'm kind of living it right now and I'm just not seeing a lot of progress from last year and I'm getting frustrated by watching it. So that's why I kind of wanted like a couple. I Like I said, I didn't expect OG and Anobi, but man, I mean, just a little something to boost this team give them a little kick in the butt to you know just not be that first round exit team maybe maybe they'll put the Royce O'Neal type guy will help them you know he'll come in with a little more determination to you know what what was the word you said step on the other opponent's throw just a little breath of life sometimes a trade can do that for a team even just like a small guy just show him maybe his effort will help out Royce O'Neal's on an expiring deal he's going to want to play hard for a contract next year I think a couple small moves could have helped. Yeah, I'm not saying break the bank. I, I, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, the Kings aren't going to win the championship this year unless they just really outperform expectations. But it, it's just hard watching this team. I just feel like, like you said, they, they're not stepping on the necks of teams. They're just not playing with the most heart. I feel like at the end of the day is what I want to say. Getting booed at home <laughs> by, you know, in the Detroit game, no Kings fans want to do that. But hey, we're fans. We get to 
voice our displeasure if we want to. I just feel like anything. I just feel like a change needs to be made, and uh, I get it. Like you're only allotted so much time at the trade deadline, and who knows if that can really help halfway through the season or already halfway through the season. And uh, I waiting for the off season is a smarter move, but. Man, just like one or two small moves, right? We're a playoff team now, too, you know? So, I don't know. You see everyone else making moves, and sometimes it's like, I right, just try to get a little better somewhere, and they just didn't. I mean, I think you make a good point with the Royce O'Neal thing, because, like, could the Kings have given up three second-round picks to get him and potentially try to sign him in the offseason? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I think McNair through his accumulation and his reluctance to use even small draft capital like that, that just like really leads you to believe that it's like, okay, they want everything at their disposal to try to make the move that they need to make. The move you want them to make, the move other fans want them to make, the move analysts would expect them to make if they are indeed going to be that team, you know, they're going to, they're going to need everything and expending two second round pick or three second round picks and I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but in that under that context of needing everything at your disposal, expending three to get a guy and maybe make a first or second round exit, and then maybe not keep him next year. I mean, like again, it's like make you're gonna make a move just for the sake of doing it. Again, some of the issues that you see with the Kings is it's like their core needs to build this kind of second instinct, this ability to bring it on a nightly basis, to stay consistent, to be a killer. Mm-hmm. And I think. It's almost like, and maybe the maybe this is a thing you can critique the team for. Maybe they're they're settling the season and kind of just going to treat this as a crash course to try to instill that and build that maturity up without really an expectation to get past the second round. You can condemn them for that, but if they end up winning a championship, I mean that's just part of the strategy. Mm-hmm. So it's like a wait and see thing. Again, it doesn't excuse them because they still have to make the move. They're just deferring it, and then also it's just like the buyout market and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They can still improve the team, I guess. I mean, DeLon Wright didn't get moved. I mean, he's kind of a buyout market candidate. It's not like the most vast list of guys, I guess, but there's, I guess there's still room to make some kind of a move that's a little lower risk. Yeah, there is. And the the buyout market definitely is an option and uh, a low risk one, right? You don't have to give up anything for them. And like I said, DeLon Wright uh, could be on it. Killian Hayes is on it at the moment. Joe Harris is on it. Kyle Lowry might be on it. Spencer Dinwiddie's on it. Uh, so, the, I mean, there's quite a few guys. I'm not saying the Kings will go after all of them. I couldn't see them going after, like, Kyle Lowry. Maybe Dinwiddie, but I don't see Dinwiddie going to the Kings. He'd be an interesting choice. I, I just don't see him coming to the Kings. I feel like he Kings already kind of guard-heavy with Fox and Monk. I feel like he'd rather go to a team where he can be more of a... To me, he kind of seems like a little selfish player. I don't know. That's just me. He kind of wants to be the spotlight of a team a little, even though maybe he's not so deserving. But he's a good player, so I just don't see him choosing the Kings for that reason. Uh, Killian Hayes, drafted in 2020, he's 22 years old, hasn't really worked out in Detroit. Kind of interesting, they waved him, he wanted out, wanted a new um, change of scenery is what they were saying, but ended up waving him, no one would trade for him. I don't know, he's He'd be more of a project still, solid guy, 6'5", six, 6'8", six, wingspan, Point guard or guard. He doesn't shoot the three ball well, but has a that long wingspan, has a high upside on defense. So that'd be, be interesting, but because at that point you're just a taller Davion Mitchell, right? If that, I mean, like, is he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's an active hands kind of defender, but he's not really a move your feet, get your chest into mm-hmm. kind of guy. And he's a good passer, but like you said, his shooting is awful. Yeah, so he doesn't really make too much sense. Joe Harris, I mean, eh. he he is a great great shooter, obviously, but I don't know. I feel like the Kings have a lot of great shooters already. His defense, I don't, I, I don't know too much about Joe Harris' defense. I'm just gonna assume it's not top tier. Um, <laughs> anyone else on the buyout market? We said Delon could get bought out. A lot of guys on Charlotte. I feel like have like the buy yeah. Davis Bertons. I saw it was mentioned he got traded from OKC. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Kings are in the market for a guy like that. They need defense. They need defense. They do. They, do. they need defense right. and length, maybe, if anything. And so maybe a guy that I wouldn't say that they should go out and like bust ass to go get. But a guy that you should maybe keep an eye on, I guess, CD Osman. 
the the Turkish guy that plays for the the Spurs. He's six seven, six eleven wingspan. Not a great defender, but not a bad defender. Long, fairly active, has a good nose for the ball. He's known to be very active on the offensive end. He moves well. I mean, he played in a Popovich system. I think that could be an interesting thing. I don't know if he'd be coming in and making a huge impact, but he's 28 years old. I mean, you think about kind of adding depth and size and length and a little bit of versatility. I don't think he's a bad option. Again, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I'm not saying the Kings should go out and get him, but I do think the Kings should be and probably are at least considering it because I think he's a he's a fascinating kind of option there. Because it's like you have a guy like Daniel House, maybe, is another guy. But it's like he's not especially long. He's not really great at anything. Like I don't, he's, he's like a, maybe the best thing he does is he's an average three-point shooter. You know, mm-hmm. like I can't really tell you. But it's like C.D. Osman, I, I feel like you could do something with that and, and maybe bolster some depth or something like that. And I know that when he was playing for Cleveland, I think he was pretty good in Cleveland. If I'm yeah, he was good in Cleveland, yeah. It would be an interesting candidate. So I, I think he would definitely be a guy that you could you could maybe go out there and get. And I think the Kings have the flexibility. I think with I think they have that extra roster spot. They could just go out and that is easy true. peasy do that. Mm-hmm. So honestly, him or Delon Wright, and we've spoken about Delon Wright. I think before, or we wrote we wrote about Delon Wright and have a YouTube video out about Delon Wright. But Delon is an interesting kind of candidate as well. How much do you like the idea of bringing DeLon Wright back? I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's like a game-changing move, even though I was talking about him a lot like, like 10 minutes ago. Like, yeah, bring in DeLon Wright. He can't do anything. I, I think he'd be solid. He's a good defender. Uh, he's going to guard the point guard position well. He'd be basically a better shooting Davion Mitchell. Probably not as good of a defender, but still pretty solid. But it's just that three-pointing, that three-point shooting is just so critical. It's just what Davion lacks and what's really going to hinder his progression as an NBA player. And I don't know. Obviously, Davion's still on the team, so it would be kind of weird to bring in DeLon Wright, have Mitchell, have Keon Ellis as well. It seems like Keon, it seems like Keon Ellis is almost just like a baby DeLon Wright, um, which I don't even feel like giving yeah, enough really justice <laughs> to Keon Ellis. Um but and it's three backup point guards. At that point, I'd rather just use Keon Ellis, even though I was just talking about DeLon Wright mm-hmm. like a ton. But he was just an example. Like, just make some sort of move that. But DeLon Wright, he's a proven veteran, and, and he's a good three-point shooter and a proven NBA defender. So I, he would probably be better than Keon. But with Davion on the team still, if you move Davion, to be like, okay, go on for DeLon. Like, Keon Ellis, I wouldn't trust him as much. As a backup point guard in the playoffs, DeLon, I would. But with Davion here, it just feels like just too much now. I don't know. What do you think? It's tricky. It's tricky because it's like, okay, the concept of trading for DeLon Wright and possibly moving Davion Mitchell, okay, that makes it kind of a, 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 that makes it fit. But it's like, would you trade for DeLon Wright? Like, eh. Buying, getting him on the buyout market, that's the way to get him. But then you have him with mm-hmm. Davion. So you can't really win. Um, yeah. But. I mean, he would be, he would obviously be great. I mean, he, he averages two deflections a game. He's got a great assist to turnover ratio. He can hit the three, not at a high volume, but he'll hit those open ones. Um, he's not as uh, much of a ball pressure defender as Davion, but he's taller and longer than Davion and lends a lot to the team defense in terms of versatility and switching. Not to say that Davion, I mean, Davion plays big, but I think there's actually something to be said about wingspan and actual height because there's been times where it's like Davion plays good defense on a guy, but it's like you can only get your hand up so high. I mean, I would almost cite the uh, Clay Thompson game winner in November. I think it was November. Yeah. Davion played great defense, but it's just Clay's 6'7. He shoot right over the top of you, buddy. Um, yeah. So it's tough. It's, it's one of those things where it's like DeLon Wright makes a lot of sense, again, in the context of a trade, but is a trade worth it? And it makes, in terms of value, makes a lot of sense in the trademark or in the buyout market. But it kind of mixes up your personnel. But I do think that kind of comparison with him and Keon Ellis is interesting because DeLon Wright was a little more of a wiry frame guy. They have a similar stature in terms of height and wingspan. They lean into the defensive end. And I do think Keon can be better because I think Keon, I don't know, he's got to like it. The thing that I've seen in the summer league from him and at moments even this season is there's just like a game to him. Like he, he, I remember in summer league, he was hitting all these 
late clock threes, not like a ton, but like enough given a five, six game span, how many, how many, however many they played throughout the summer. And there's just an edge to, to Keon Ellis that I think he can be a little bit more of a two way impact player, but baseline at the very least can be a DeLon Wright type player. And I think that could be an interesting mentorship, not only because he's similar, but DeLon Wright's played the point guard position a lot longer. Keon's very new to that. So that could be helpful, but I don't know. In the buyout market with the personnel the way it is, I think you make a good point. It'd get weird. Just too many point guards. But I like Osman. I think he would be a solid candidate for like that forward position, get three-point shooter. So I, I kind of like him. I didn't think about it. I did see his name on that list as well. I didn't put too much thought about it. But it seems like a guy who could you, pl- you could plug in. Yeah. Definitely an interesting option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one of the things we were talking about this trade deadline was if the Kings were going to make a move, it'd be like a smaller move. And maybe it wouldn't even be them really acquiring anything in terms of like a player or anything like that. But like we talked a lot about Davion Mitchell's trade value and the potentiality of him getting a fresh start somewhere or maybe using him as a trade chip to acquire somebody or at the very least just, you know, moving him along for something. Don't know if that was really ever picking up heat in terms of rumors or anything like that, but he's going to be on the team for the rest of the season. He's played, I guess, about the last nine games as the backup point guard. Bringing the defense you always see, you're seeing him look a little bit more decisive with the ball in his hands, a little more active without the ball in his hands on offense. Uh, Maybe the only thing that is not good and that remains the same is his three-point shooting. Um, But he's played well. I mean, what do you see for the idea of like Davion being here for the season? What does that, how does that bode for his future with the Kings in terms of what happens beyond the season? I, I mean, I'm not surprised Davion has stayed <laughs> just because it doesn't sound like Monty was just going to trade anyone and Davion kind of falls under that boat of anyone. I I can still see him getting traded. I, I still don't think anyone's safe. I mean, I feel like you can still group Davion with Herter and Barnes going into the offseason. It's just maybe what they were worth at this very moment wasn't enough in return or you know, to get someone to help out the rest of the season, like maybe they could help out the Kings right now. So I think the grouping them as like that package, it's just, I still, I could still see them being traded uh, before next season or even at next year's deadline. I feel like, especially these three, I mean, Barnes has been going through it, you know, every year since he's been a Sacramento King. So he's probably used to it. If Herder and Davion stay longer, I think, you know, in Sacramento, I think they're going to have to start getting used to it too. Because it just it it they just have these glaring weaknesses. Barnes's inconsistency, Herder's inconsistency in defense, Davion Mitchell's lack of three point shooting. It's just I mean, for those reasons, they're always just gonna be like, well, they're expendable, you know. So, Mon. I mean, the, the report was like a couple months ago, or even yeah, I think it was like in late December, maybe early January, that um. Barnes, Herter, and Mitchell were available for trade, and Monty probably went in looking for trades and just didn't see anything worth it at the moment. But I'm pretty sure that, that he'll continue to look um, in the off season, move these three guys if anything can come up. Barnes, I feel like is like the highest. I don't know Barnes and Herter; they're kind of interchangeable. But so like Barnes is still like the most important than Herter than Mitchell. So Mitchell still seems like the most likely to get moved. He has the lowest value, probably a little easier to move. Yeah. I think the Kings shot themselves in the foot with any idea, any chance of moving Davion this trade deadline. Because as soon as you had him replaced by Keon Ellis, a two-way player that didn't get drafted. Like, I remember hearing there were reports, I think, in November, around the time when they made that offer, too, for Siakam. So, like, throughout November, December, and into January. It's just like, and I think Skoto pointed it out with James Ham. Maybe that's where I'm specifically remembering it from. But it's like GMs around the league were shocked. Like, what the heck is going on with that? Why Why did that happen? Like, that that within itself, it does so much to hurt value in the way it's perceived. So it's like nothing was really going to happen there. But then also, it's like you got to think about it. It's like Davion's McNair's baby. I mean, he, he was his second draft pick. He still sees something in him. He's not just going to give him up for nothing. So, I mean... I, I would imagine that the Kings' standpoint is they're hoping Davion Mitchell doesn't do anything to play himself out of the rotation. They hope he can close down the stretch of the season pretty well. 
and then maybe see what happens. But again, it's like you said, he might have to just get used to always being in the rumor mill because if they don't move him, because they're not going to move him for nothing, then they don't move him, that's going to probably always be the case. So I think that's a fair point. I mean, last year, I, th- I thought he was great. I thought he had a lot of room to for improvement, but I thought it was like he could have made these improvements. He's he's just, he's like a he's like almost just a representation of the Kings. Just like oh, you're just not gonna get any better, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just Davion Mitchell and the Kings, man. I mean, yeah, I I totally feel that because I feel like going into last season, it was like, oh, how are the Kings are the Kings gonna play like these three guard lineups? They're gonna play Fox and Davion on the floor together more, all this and that. Everybody just kind of trying to imagine how Davion's gonna become the player, the the ninth overall pick that everybody expects, and it's just like. Yeah, that that kind of hope seems to be fading away quite quite yeah. quickly. Yeah, that was, and I was just talking about it. I'm like, dang, man, if Franz Wagner <laughs> fell one more spot down, it'd be so different. It wasn't like I said, still not the strongest draft class. Uh, I mean, there's a couple guys the Kings could have got that are good now, but there weren't a lot of obvious picks. Well, think about it this way, though. Think about it this way, not to interrupt, but it's like if they didn't draft Davion to get another point guard, would they have felt as comfortable moving Halliburton to get Sabonis? That's true. That's a good point, because Davion was playing well that year, his rookie year. Yeah. Only closed it out well. He had, I mean, he had a lot of potential. He's a top 10 pick. But now it's just like, dang. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Funny, just a few years in the league, and it's just like the book's been written on you, basically. I mean, he can still develop a three-point shot, but that, that I mean, for players to do that, sometimes that takes like middle middle to the later part of their career for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see with poor Davion, but I still think it'd be, it'd be really beneficial for him to get a change of scenery, see if he can build confidence. Because like, how much does him not shooting well have to do with confidence and rhythm? I think that has a huge thing because it's like when you talk about the way he closed his rookie season, he started like the last 10 games for 15 games because Fox hurt his, uh, was it his wrist injury uh, or an ankle injury? I don't remember. That was so long. Yeah. But um, he was out for the season and Davion played well. And I think he shot like, I think he shot adequately, from mm-hmm. three, like over 35%. And it's like you mix that in with a guy that's aggressive and decisive on offense and bringing the defense that he brings. That's a hell of a guard right there. It's a hell of a point guard. Mm-hmm. And it's just you mix up his role. You take the ball out of his hands more because you have Sabonis, Fox, and Monk, and he's all of a sudden not even in a tier with them. And it just mixes things up. And so it just seems like if I were Davion Mitchell, and I'm sure he's a good sport about this, but I'm sure that like his agent, maybe his family, maybe even himself are kind of like, I need to get out of here at some point. Yeah. Because even if you are fulfilling your role here, you're never going to really... That's still not putting you in a position where you're reaching your ceiling. Yeah, I think he does need to change the scenery. He's just... In Sacramento, he's never going to get that opportunity to really... You know, if he if he can actually look like a top 10 pick, he's never going to look like it in Sac. Not just with the personal they have with Fox and everyone. So, and Sabonis and Monk right now. And I, don't, I just don't think they'll ever want that from him either. So, it is weird. He did play really well to end his rookie year. So, I mean, that potential mm-hmm. exists. I mean, maybe only Kings fans remember it because <laughs> I don't know if the other GMs around the league are like, yeah, I know he finished his rookie year, lost 12 games with Fox out. I'm sure they probably have a little scouting report, but there's probably some nerd in every front office that yeah. knows that. But it's also like, all right, well, it's been a season and a half since and what? He can't adapt, you know, so that's not helping this case. But Davion Mitchell, he's here for at least the rest of the year, here for the year. We'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see what Monty cooks up in the off season. It'll be interesting for Monty though, because we're talking about him drafting Mitchell, already having Halliburton and um, Fox on the team. You draft Davion Mitchell. He's turning into a bust a little. We're talking about trading him. Man, like Monty's fine now, right? But I don't know. The next season, he's not gonna. It's gonna be kind of make or break for Monty. I think really. Yeah, he can. Some some negatives can start piling yeah. up in terms of what's been good, and what's been bad. Yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, like you could almost think about the way he started. Like a lot of people were complaining about his stagnancy when he started, um, which lends hope to the idea that his kind of the calm waters now are going to lead to something better. But also, it's like it's not like he's been perfect i guess as his gm and there's always going to be room as things develop and change and as th- things play themselves out where he's not going to look so good mm-hmm. and 
like you said, if they don't do something next off season, you got essentially the same roster. You're looking at mediocrity. You point out things like Davion Mitchell. Now all of a sudden you have a case against him. Yeah. So I, I totally agree. It'll be interesting. It, now that the trade deadline's passed, I mean, it, we'll see how the Kings end the season, see if they pick up any buyout uh, candidates or people that were bought out or waived. Almost, you know, you just have to see if the Kings can really find, I don't know, what's the word, their, their swagger, if you will, and kind of get back to, I don't know, that tenacious basketball they seemed to play last season. It seems like it's lost this year and, it's just not looking good, and if it's not, well, Monty's got a lot of work to do in the offseason. But speaking of tenacious uh, basketball and tenacity, uh, the Kings, as we've talked about a lot this year, are lacking some tenacious D, tenacious if you will. D. <laughs> they uh, are last in the league in three-point defense, and that's kind of come to light a little bit lately. I feel like, not come to light, I mean, it's it's been available for anybody to see for most of the year, but... It's kind of been a focus because I think a lot on the road trip you saw there were a few games that weren't the best where they were giving up high assist totals and high three-point totals, which just kind of went in line with a lot of things you saw this season. And as, as the numbers bear it out, they are they give up like the highest three-point percentage, um, one of the highest amounts of makes to their opponents, and like an average amount of attempts. So like these teams are making a high volume on a pretty average amount of attempts. So they're getting pretty high quality attempts. And it just all comes down to that perimeter defense. That that D is not tenacious. There's no tenacity. It just seems like the Kings just get flattened time and time again. Like all you need to know, I almost feel like this three-point number and even the assist things, the amount of ball movement that they allow to teams. I mean, like the Miami game, for instance. I think Miami assisted 38 out of their 42 made shots. Like that's insane. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where it's like, that's almost the best illustration of what the problem is. When you can't defend the pick and roll, you can't even sit down one-on-one in isolation and defend. You saw all of that last night against Detroit. That's not even a scary team. You saw it against Detroit. They couldn't do any of that. And all of a sudden, that just allows them to move the ball, get clear shots either in the paint or spray it out for three, and essentially play the way that the Kings want to play on offense. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so clear what the issue is. I don't even know if I have a point here. I think the point is that their defense, their three fence, as I like to call it, is god awful. I think that's just the point. It's so bad, and that's like a reason I wanted some sort of like defensive move made at this deadline. Just anything. Like it is so hard to watch. I mean, Detroit shot like fifty-one percent from three. The Cleveland shot like over 50% from three against us. It's like just, and it's mm-hmm. game after game after game. You just watch these teams get wide open looks on the three point line and just knock them down. The King, the, the primary defense is, uh, it's just absolutely awful. It's horrendous to watch. It's hard watching Kevin Herter get blown by every other, <laughs> every second step. It's just like, or first step even. It's just, dude, oh my God. It's, they, they just need a, yeah, I mean that's that has to be priority number one in the off season. That's why I wanted something this year. That's why I'm like so upset. It's like yeah, I get it. We we talked about maybe a trade this deadline wouldn't solve all the problems. Fine, it, it wouldn't. I, a perimeter defense would have helped, but it's just like you you play that perimeter defense. You talked about like keeping the your the foot on the opponent's neck. It's like you can do that by eliminating wide open threes. You know. Um, and just like not letting the, the, the shooters get into a rhythm so early on, like it just really builds shooters mm-hmm. confidence. You hit down the first two threes, they're probably gonna have a big game. Max Struess, you know, destroyed us from the three point yeah. line. Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is different than Struess, but still had a great game from three. And who, who's the other guy on shot lights out against us on Cleveland? Um, there's three uh, cars. They had like 18. They had like 18 of like the 24 made threes. Which is crazy. Was it a Coro? <sighs> That's another guy. I, I don't remember. Trade. I don't remember either. I turned Why don't it. I feel like that? I feel like that game was so long ago, but it wasn't. Yeah, I turned it off. I'm just like, yeah. You can just tell. Like, it's, You can definitely tell when a team's just like knocking down threes the way Cleveland did in that first quarter. And like midway through the second, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done watching this. And I'll just check it on my phone, see if it gets close. Call me a fake fan if you want. I don't think anyone would, but 
I just I just can't watch that. I can't watch them do it to you've my You've seen voice. it time and time and time again. Yeah. You've just seen it time again. I mean, like, you've seen it. You know what's happening. Like, no. I mean, if anything, that's a real fan. Yeah. Uh, somebody who knows the team. you got a finger on the pulse. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things, though, where just to repeat myself, I guess, it's like a lot of it can be solved with getting a little bit better in terms of personnel on the perimeter. But Mike Brown... Again, he mentioned it again last night or on Wednesday night. He's like, when things go wrong with this team, they think the the way they have to answer, they think what the issue must be is all located on the offensive end. He is indicating that there is a mindset to this team, a lack of maturity, a lack of clarity as to the importance of both sides of the floor. How much is and Again, I think they do need to improve the perimeter defense. So I think it can make a big difference. But in a midseason trade type of thing, just to reiterate my point, it's like, how much is that going to change the overall team defense? Eh, it might make a little bit of a difference, but I don't know if it's going to get you past the second round. For me, it's just like, I feel like you just have to try a little. I just, this is what I want. Just, like, just try a little to get a little better, too. That's why I'm like a little hard on Monty for not making a move. Like, hey, yeah, a move not is not going to make the secure a first round win i was like maybe it will i don't know i just don't want to become like the first round exit team i mean you have every right to feel the way you do because it's like as mike brown also put it last night it's like he saw a lot of bad defensive tendencies in cleveland that spilled over into detroit and detroit he said might have been the lowest effort performance of the season and you compared it to that portland game it, yeah, it's basically on par with that. Those are like the two lowest effort games of the season at home against teams that are not good. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how everybody thinks about this maybe a week from now. Maybe the Kings win their next couple of games. I mean, it's going to be a little tough coming up. I think they have Denver coming in. Yeah, it's on Friday um, today. So, I mean, like, we'll see. But <laughs> it's, it's just so interesting that the fact that the Kings made no move follows the Cleveland and the Detroit game. Mm-hmm. And how far now? How how distant of a memory does five and two road trip feel? Things Dude, change it, so quick in this fucking league. <laughs> oh yeah, it is crazy. It's like I said, I started off the podcast like this. It's just like I'm. This I was like, all right, five and two. How good are the Kings looking after after that? Like coming off like that tough stretch where they lost four straight and kind of you know won a couple here and there, and then they just go into this long road trip and just go five and two. Just go, okay. And then now it's just like, oh, okay. Oh, we suck again. I think they were, they had won actually four straight until they lost to Cleveland, right? I, yeah, it, they did. Yeah. Cause there's the back to back. No, Indiana no, wait, did they? Chicago before that. Oh, no, cause they lost, they lost to Miami and then no, they, you, the they lost to Miami. Yeah. You're right. Never mind. But they did have that four game win streak, right? After their four game losing streak. Yeah. After the know, four game losing streak. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because the part of the four-game win streak, I think, was the first two games of the road trip. So they won two at home and then won yeah. two on the road, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I believe so. Close I, I, enough. If sure someone wants right. to correct us, we're close enough. Yeah. Something to that we're effect. We're getting into the dog days of the season. It's just like, I don't even know. What's the Kings record? 29 and 20? 29 like 21? Eight, eight. Yeah, they're eight games over. So I guess 29 and 21. Yeah. I don't know what were we even talking about. <laughs> I, don't even I don't know. I think I think <laughs> that's kind of how this podcast has felt. This kind of has felt like one big clip. Here's, I mean, we've talked about this. We're talking about the deadline. We're talking about their defense. But another very important piece that we've talked about. I'm sorry, we talked about it for like four straight weeks now. But I think that's the issue. It's been like a month now. It's like, what is going on with De'Aaron Fox? Like, what is the? This is kind of getting unacceptable to a point. Like, all right, he had a couple bad weeks. And, yeah, he scored like 41 against Chicago. Great. Round of applause, Fox. He scored 41 against Chicago. I didn't even care about that 41. Especially after they blew that lead. Someone's like, yeah, you better have scored 41. He just hasn't really – I mean, shoot, he was really bad against Detroit. Even when they needed him to be clutch, clutch player of the year, just could not get anything going. Mm -hmm. Dude, I just – like. When are they just? He has to be hurt, right? And if he's not, that's it's like a bigger. It's got to be the shoulder. Right? It's just like just rest the guy. It's just getting kind of ridiculous at this point. And yeah. I just feel like he's a detriment being on the court. If they're going to try to run things through him, and it's like, all right, a clutch player of the year. Let's get him. Let's get him in the game to make a comeback. And then he just misses every shot. 
Like I'd rather I'd rather have someone else out there taking these shots. You know, um, it's getting a little frustrating too because he's. I feel like constantly, not constantly, but constantly for Fox scoring under twenty points a game on poor shooting percentages. Like he's barely I feel like he's only had several thirty point games in the last month and a half. Which is concerning, considering he led the league at one point, granted, like a month into the season. But still, you know Fox can score 30 a game, um, but he's not. So, I feel like that's just a, a glaring issue in itself, especially in that Detroit game. It's like, all right. They, then like Because the Kings were kind of in it, which is sad to say, because they should have just been dominating since the beginning of that game. But it's like, okay, it's like a close game. Like, this is where Fox has to unfortunately take over against the 6-1 Detroit team. He couldn't even do that, you know? Injury or not, it's just something needs to happen. And I think he just, it probably is an injury. He just needs to get some rest. Yeah, I mean, what it lends a lot to that notion is the fact that it's like there have been like two or three games where it's like, oh, Fox is coming out. Mm -hmm. He's fine. He's okay now. I think we've even said that in this kind of last four weeks. Like, And I don't remember what game it was. Was it the Bulls game or the Cleveland game where he was kind of, kind of seemed like he bothered that shoulder again almost i don't remember i'm trying to look for it in my notes i'm frantically looking for it in my notes oh yeah it was early in the the cleveland game he didn't have a good game against cleveland either. early in the cleveland game i think he was he grabbed he at eight eight twenty yeah and that was early in the yeah game. you're right so i do remember it almost like now. it was almost like it was mm-hmm. re-aggravated I, ha- I have it here for everybody at home at 825 roughly in the first quarter he was grabbing his shoulder so I mean, that's so clear. I mean, I'm glad you brought this up because I don't think we even addressed this in the agenda uh, talk at the beginning. But yeah, I mean, clearly the focus has to go to to Mike Brown here. I mean, it, it it's we are, our dumbasses just figured out that you know what the situation is. We're connecting the dots here. It's kind of clear. Anybody, any of us chumps that that are just watching the Kings. And that's all of us. That's all of us included. And I'm saying that with endearment. Um, all of us can see this. You know, it's 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 clear. And it's just like, what is going on? Why can you not rest him for a few games? You know? Especially against Detroit. Like, they played yeah. Detroit at home. Just take the night off. Yeah. Especially if he re-aggravated against Cleveland, where he had, again, a not a good game against Cleveland because of that shoulder, most likely. And then... The guy, just rest him. He hasn't taken any rest. And think about how much Fox is responsible. And of course, the bonus is too. But Fox is responsible for setting the tone. If you are going to get your foot on an opponent's neck from the start and keep it there, Fox has to play a huge part in that. If he's not going to do that, then you're going to have these kind of situations where you let a team kind of get ahead. And then it's going to be a little harder because you're exacerbating, again, maybe the things that could potentially be excuses. But don't end up being excuses because you're the one that didn't do your work from the start. So it it's like it, it directly correlates to the way they're losing games too. Not necessarily just like, oh, Fox had a bad game and they lost. It's like, no, they let a team get go crazy, you know? It just seems like and it's it's one of those things too where we talked about it last year. It's just like why did you let Fox's t- was it a foot bruise? It was a foot bruise. Why did they let that fester? It seems so mm-hmm. simple to just rest him a few games rather than letting him letting him go multiple weeks where he's playing subpar or inconsistently. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that Fox is insistent that he wants to play, insistent that he doesn't need the rest. But Mike Brown is the executive officer. I know he wants to give a lot of liberty and autonomy to his, to his players. And that's fine. But there are certain things you try to draw a line on. It's got to be this because this is not just about. I mean, this is this is not just about Fox. This is about the whole team. This is about what they do in April and May potentially. You know, it's just it. It's important, and the fact that we're still talking about this is just proof that there's 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 something missing in that regard in terms of the coaching staff and the leadership there. Mm-hmm. And he could really use a, a rest too. Have you seen the next stretch of games? Yeah, it's not. It's not good. Um, what? How how many games are they winning? These next, the Kings are already on a two game losing streak at this moment. Next nine games. Tell me, tell me their record. I'll read you out the the games sure. or the teams. Nuggets, Thunder, Suns, Nuggets, Spurs, Clippers, Heat, 
Nuggets. <laughs> oh, that, but that's with the All Star break in the middle there. Uh, yes, that is true. The All Star break is um, from February fifteenth. Uh, uh, the Kings are off. It looks like they play the fourteenth, and then they play again the twenty second. So they have eight. They have eight days off. Nice. But still, I mean, you're still playing the Clippers, True. Heat, Nuggets, Timberwolves straight out of the All Star break. But I'd say this: I wouldn't be surprised if they lose the next four. I think it's really about the next four. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Although it's a fair point, you okay. do have the Clippers, Miami, and Denver to close. You struggle with the Clippers. You lost to Miami, and Denver's really, really good. Fair point. Yeah, Nuggets, Thunder, Suns, Nuggets, uh, right before the All Star break. That that could e- the- uh, it could easily be a one and three thing, even zero oh and four potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they Two, beat six, OKC, three. but I I kind of think that they they, they seem the to have OKC's back. number. Yeah, I think yeah. they match up well against OKC. Um, they do. I'd be interested to know what OKC's records are against teams with like elite centers, because they just don't seem like they have the size to be able to stop that. It just doesn't seem like a good matchup for them. Yeah, at least when see. I watch the Kings. Like a- uh, also, I just feel like the Kings like guys have big games against the Thunder for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just. I'm amazed. At, like I look at the Thunder, like the standings. I'm like they're in, they're in first place. Yeah, almost like how oh, man, they they're really well coached. Yeah, the Thunder are good. Let's see. They lost to Denver. They've lost to Valen or uh, New Orleans with Valanciunas. I guess we call him elite. Yeah, he's not elite, but he's very to, good. He is good. He's he's one of the better like big men. They lost to the Sixers. They've lost to the Timberwolves. They beat the Lakers. I wonder if Davis played that game. Mm. Um, let's see. Lost a sack. They beat Denver. Mm. Uh, lost to the Lakers. Beat Minnesota. I don't know. I guess it's... <laughs> okay, so maybe that's... just have their number. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. that has nothing to do with that. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. But it is interesting because it's just like the way the Kings have played them, they've played them twice this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. It's just like... And they beat them twice. Just mm-hmm. like, really? Almost like it's almost like probably the Pelicans like playing the Kings. It's like how is this team higher in the standings than us? <laughs> That's how I feel about OKC. Just like what? This is the first place. This is like the first seed in the West. Yeah, it, it didn't seem. I mean, not saying like they weren't. I, I don't even remember the first playing game or was it the group stage. I feel like we blew them out. Yeah, I don't really remember the second game, but I remember like not being afraid. I'm like yeah, OKC. It was like more of the same. Okay, like, see what? <laughs> okay, see? Okay, see, we're going to whoop your ass? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. We'll have to see. It'll be interesting, too, because they're going to Oklahoma City. And it, that that place gets pretty loud. And it's they like one of those. Super it's a matinee too. game, too. It's a matinee yeah, 12. game. Yeah. Well, 12 hours. Which time. is. Yeah, 12 hour times. So that would be, what, so two their time? I think it's their central time. So, yeah, two. Yeah. Right before the Super Bowl. Right before the bowl, dude. So they have to watch the Super Bowl in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I, just don't, uh, I think Mike. I, no, I think Kyle Draper and Katie Christensen were talking about it because you know Mike Brown's son. I think is like a yeah. He's coach. on the Niners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's like, like a, yeah, or something like coach or scout or something. Ball boy. I yeah, don't know. got a nice job there. And so Mike Brown, I guess, is all about. They're gonna like sit down and watch the game. I think. I think you're right. I think they're gonna watch an OKC. And of course, Katie Christensen and, and Kyle Draper were talking about the food. They're gonna get fed food, which I thought was funny because Kyle Draper had like a Freudian slip when they were playing the Cavs. He called J- JB Bickerstaff JB Bicker snacks. And I'm like, dude, can you just for two seconds, Kyle? Can you take your can you take your mind <laughs> off the food, off the nom nom? Come on, Drapes. Oh, that was funny. I love Draper. I really do. I think he's he makes my day. When I listen to him, like there's sometimes I'm like, what are you talking about? But it's just like he's like that friend you have that just says stupid shit that's just hilarious. Yeah. Dude, I like that's, Draper. That's the Drapester. He's definitely grown. Yeah. Me. Oh boy, he's grown. Oh boy. <laughs> oh my goodness. But well, yeah. <laughs> I think we have to just close every podcast talking about Kyle Draper. I think we should, yeah. The drapes. Your boy drapes, draw, Dan. Draw the drapes. Draw the drapes. You hear about Matt Barnes? Got like in what the happened? face of like, he went to his like son's high school basketball game. He got in like the face of like a student announcer. There's an article out there. I haven't read it. I just read like the Oh headline. my God. 
So I don't didn't know he get in trouble idea. last year at like the NFC Championship game yeah, or a playoff spit game? On someone, yeah, yeah, spit. But, but that seemed like a personal dispute. Um, it yeah. seemed like they knew he knew the guy, but um, oh, okay, yeah, I think this this one of what you said is the case. That's that's not, that's not a good look, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> you can't so give wondering... you can't give a student all the smoke. You yeah. gotta keep it on the podcast, dude. <laughs> For real. So I'm interested to see like if we'll see much of him anymore this season or at all, I guess. Um so This is a great opportunity to bring Kenny Thomas back. Dude. Kenny He always reposts us, so whatever. Good. I love Kenny Thomas. Kenny What's Thomas, that? give you some love. Kenny Thomas, the guy we traded Chris Weber for? Hey baby. Sometimes you just gotta you gotta lose something to get something. Kenny the Jet Thomas? Yeah, he's definitely the most famous Kenny that ever played for the Kings, for sure. Dude, by far. But all right, before we keep just, you know, wasting everyone's time here. Yeah. I got nothing else, John. You got anything to wrap it up with? I think that ties a nice bow on it for the week. So until next time, you know. All right. Well, Kings have a tough four stretch of games, like we said. And uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know. When when does that stretch end real quick? Let me look. So you see when let's see when we we speak next. Maybe at the trade online. I don't know because I said the twenty the fourteenth was so that would be next Wednesday. So we we might talk before then. We might talk on Monday after two games. We'll see though. Maybe eh. we just wait. I think it'd be good because then we can squeeze one in right before the All Star game break. I yeah. don't know. It, it depends. We'll see. Well, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll let y'all know. We'll let y'all know. We'll we'll keep you on your toes. But I guess until then. Have a good one.